This is Brock and Salk. Brock Heward is my hero. James Heward just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do your amenities. Don't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Hello! Stacy. do you have leverage? Do I have leverage? In your life? Well, not physically. Uh, not height-wise. <laughs> Um, you know, some places, sure, sure. What do you do when you have leverage? Do you exploit the leverage you have or not? Typically, I don't because I'm a people pleaser and mm. afraid of confrontation. But in theory, you should. Should you? I think I think most of the time, yeah. Because it, we, I think that, um, you know, I was listening to you and G talk about Jamal Adams, and I just think it's this fascinating conversation for so many reasons, but in part because it's, to me, a generational conversation. And uh, I think that there is a slightly younger generation um, that is very comfortable uh, taking more autonomy Mm -hmm. over their own careers Mm -hmm. and over their personal decisions and over everything. And then the older you get, the more you're in this more traditional, I don't mean just nine to five. I mean, like, I feel guilty taking sick days. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think younger people feel that way. I think that that type of employment has changed. And Jamal Adams is closer to my age than not. So yep. I'm not saying he's like this different generation. But um, I think that that's part of the debate. Does it, it change it, at way. all? Does it, as, a, as a fan of a team, does that – are you cool with that? With Jamal not being there? I guess what I mean – I guess – no, I'm just more speaking more big picture than specifically about Jamal. But it's kind of interesting. A lot of what you just said comes with like work-life balance, right? Yes, yeah. Like it's and, – and this is sort of a typical generation gap difference of like, well – I want more work-life balance, so, yeah, I'm not going to show up mm-hmm, as often. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the direction in which we're traveling as a society. Yep. And everybody seems to love that. Hey, work-life balance is great. Good. Okay, let's have more work-life balance. But when you're a fan of a team, I don't really care whether they have a – I mean, like, well, I no. want my team to be the best they can be. If you're a fan of a team, you want everyone to feel the way about your team that you do. You want to hear that people love being in Seattle. You mm. want to hear that people love this team. You want to hear when you ask, what's it like, you know, work, uh, co- being coached by Pete Carroll? You don't want to hear, like, ah, he's fine. Right. You want to hear, like, he is the best coach I've ever played for. I would die for this team. This team is a brotherhood. I would take less to be here. I love it. Because you live and breathe for the teams that right. you love. Right? Mm-hmm. And you want to think that the players feel that way. Don't you want as many players who feel that way as possible? Sure, but I think that being a fan, uh, being anyone gives you blind spots. I think that going from sports fan to working in sports, Mm -hmm. for me personally, made me a lot more, I don't want to say lenient, empathetic understanding of the reality of sports, right? Which is like, it's a business. And for for the Jamal Adams situation... If I were a teammate, would I want to tell Jamal, like, hey, just optics-wise? Because I'm big on optics, and sports are big on optics, and that's what a lot of this is. You're not participating. It's optics. Optics-wise, I think it would probably be good for you to be here. But I also know that Jamal's in, like, this 1% kind of situation with the team. He is one of their more talented players. I don't care what anyone says. When he's healthy, he's one of their more talented players. And he's coming back from an injury. It's not like he's like, yeah, I don't want to go. I'm going to go do something else. Which we've seen, by the way, like, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, players have done that for years. Didn't like, Russell uh, Wilson do that? 
Uh, I don't remember Russ doing it. I think Russ was at all the voluntary well, minicamps well, Russ during his held time. practices in San Diego yeah. with like half the team yeah. while OTAs were going oh, on. Yes. Is that what happened that year? Yeah, Russell okay. Wilson was like, how about instead of OTAs in Seattle, we go to, here. yeah, how about I take the offense and the wide receivers yeah. and we go to OTAs? That was at the end during the power struggle I, play, yes. et cetera. Yeah, yeah, I remember there being some kind of thing going on because I remember thinking, well, now my time's wasted at OTAs. All these veterans aren't here. A lot of people saying that uh, you should not uh, disparage your height in terms of leverage that oh, generally low person wins You guys in terms are of so leverage. right. Me and Joey Hunt have always said yes. that. Yes. Yeah. And then they got this guy, I don't know if you saw him Friday at uh, at, uh, tra- at uh, minicamp, was it Tavai, the little oh, defensive tackle um, guy. Wyman has been talking about him a ton. Jonah Tavai? Yes. He really mm. likes him. He's fast. Yeah. Quick little defensive. Yeah. So what did you oh, say? I heard your comment about Pete talking about the safeties, by the way. I thought that was a good one. Well, you don't think that there's a little oh, bit of a message when he mentioned Jericho? Absolutely a message. Hey, who's the best player here in, in rookie camp? Oh, our sixth round pick. Sixth round safety. <laughs> okay. Glad you asked. I also liked all of our other safeties. <laughs> so funny. What did you see when you were over there? Who uh, who jumped out to you at uh, rookie minicamp? I only saw a little bit of it. So uh, we went on Friday. Friday, so we missed a lot of practice because it was during our show. Okay. Um, so I leaned on Bump for a lot of takeaways. And Bump's funny. He was very blatant about like, look, you don't learn a lot. Like you do eye test for mm-hmm. everyone. Who sure. looks big? Who looks small? Yep. That's, <laughs> that's, looks, exactly, yep, that's exactly what you're looking at. I will say what I'm most curious about um, is obviously to see Witherspoon and Jigbo when they get going. Both were obviously not. Part- we didn't get to see a lot from yeah. them because they have these hamstring. Uh, both have hamstring issues that they're nursing. Um, but I... We talked the other day about we're most curious to see those two because they're first round picks, but the person we think can be potentially most impactful, both of us chose day three picks. Hmm. I went, he went with uh, Oluwatimi, mm-hmm. the uh, the guy center. center, and I went with Cam Young, who both uh, Pete Carroll and Clint Hurt have been really high on. And I don't know if they're just talking big game, but I think Cam Young has potential to be your day one starter. Well, Partly because you don't He's, have anybody else exactly, really to yeah. play that role at the moment. And yeah. No, I, I think those are both really good uh, picks. And by the way, Bradford may be in the same category. Right. I I found that the more I've thought about this draft, I've thought about it a fair amount, actually. The more important, I think, in fact, maybe the most important pick is Derek Hall. Ooh, that when it's all said and done, that pick. is the pick that we will and should focus on most. Now, you, tell me why, because well, so, they have one of their best defensive players last year, Shannon Nwosu. Right. He wouldn't be playing. He'd be playing on the other side. So but. think about th- their draft. You pick fifth. There's no obvious pick in mm-hmm. a position of need or anything like that. They well, don't trust Jalen Carter. Exactly. Okay, there fine. is, but they don't. He's trust not him. on their board. They Correct. don't trust Jalen Carter. Yep. So they go with a corner. He was the best player on the mm-hmm. board. Fine. Next round or next pick, Jackson Smith and Jigba, their number one wide receiver, which is a bit of a need for them. It's an important mm-hmm. position. Fine. Mm-hmm. They go in that direction. Now you still know that the now you're out of the first round. And by far the biggest need you have, it's not close, is defensive tackle. And Keanu Benton's on the board, and then there's a center that you could use that's yep. on the board. There's some real dudes at positions of need on the board. Yep. And you decide to go with Derek Hall, who you say you have a first-round grade on because you think he's that much better than those guys. If you're right, that's a genius pick, and you did the right thing. And if you're wrong and he's not that guy, you passed on dudes that are similarly built or similarly yep. judged but play a position of need. Yeah. So to me, 
Derek Hall's got to be that dude in order for this draft to really work out. Ah, that's such a great take because for the first time in a while, they have some nice depth there. I think for so long, people looked at Seattle more traditionally when they were in like, I know 3-4 and 4-3 are sometimes interchangeable with this defense, but when they were in a 4-3, people were like, you need pass rushers, you need pass rushers, looking at more traditional DNs, especially that Leo role that Frank Clark Mm -hmm. was playing. Like, they weren't looking at like necessarily Michael Bennett. They were like, get a guy that's going to get to the quarterback and get 15 sacks. That's what you need. They haven't had that guy. The closest they got was Frank Clark. They didn't keep him for a reason, yep. presumably. Um, and and so I, I feel like we're so used to hearing that they need that, uh, that we kind of overlook the trenches in general. We, I say Royal, we like fans. Uh, but they've they've stocked up with some guys at outside linebacker. Jen and Wosu is really good. Mm-hmm. Really and they drafted good. Boy Mafe in the second Boy round. Like Daryl Taylor was almost up. a first round pick for them. Yeah, that's a lot of guys. So look, if this kid's good, and by the way, he looks the part. I mean, you said the eye test is what yeah. we're looking at. Whoa, he looks legit. I remember last year, uh, I test thinking uh, Ken Walker. I was like, he's so he's too he small. Looks small, right? He's too, he's the smallest. Uh, he was the smallest running back. Well, you're they not going to say that about Zach Charbonnet. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Much. He <laughs> no, is not no, small. no, 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 no. I won't. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, that's the guy that I wanted to get my eyes on first, just because I think he's he's kind of the key to this whole thing. And by the time the second second round pick, which ended up being Charbonnet, came mm-hmm. around, those D tackles were gone. So you yep. chose in between that those two picks are kind of where everybody left. Well, if if you get beat inside this year and, and if he doesn't turn into something, that's a, a conversation that we'll certainly need to have. Yeah, it's interesting because it's you. I am willing to uh, co-sign mm-hmm. their approach to the draft with both doing uh, passing on Jalen Carter, going Witherspoon, mm-hmm. passing on a couple other defensive linemen and going Witherspoon for that matter. Like you could have reached and gotten a position of need uh, doing the same for Hall um, because you just think back to like LJ Collier. Right. And, and I don't think want back them to, to do that. Exactly. So I like the strategy. I, I do too. That's how I feel about it. Right I like the strategy waiting to see if it pays off. Stacy, great stuff. Wait, uh, what's you didn't coming even, up? Uh, I know. I'm sorry. You know, we were going to do Vanderpump rules, but I, we're, that's we're the out of only time. reason I came here. I know. We what? just totally bait and switch. I, but I'm, I'm really, I've spent really so long thinking. Rank isn't important. We could throw that out and do. Vanderpump yeah, let's. Okay. You want to come so, back at yeah. 945 and rank Vanderpump rule things that happened this Oh my Justin? God. Okay, so here's the deal. Can we just, just rank the rules? Can I just, yeah, let's rank rules and can I come in and rank one? And then also, I would just like <laughs> to, to rank say, all five, I though. would just like to say, I know that you guys are like, oh my God, shut this girl up. I don't want to hear about Vanderpump rules. However, I, what I, think, yeah. I would like to say, I would like to say this because everyone should and will be appalled by it. The excuse that the guy gave. I actually kind of want to know what this is. You know what? Hold on. Will you come back at 945? <laughs> yeah. All right. Stacey's going to come back. I, I actually do want to do this at 945. <laughs> okay, because I came out with an analogy right. for, that's a sports Will analogy for Vanderpump Rules. something related to Vanderpump Rules at 945? Just yeah. come up with a top five list. It doesn't really matter what it is. So break and up Justin, excuses. we'll do ours on Monday, and we'll be good to go. <laughs> Stacey will come back. It's Brock and Salk. We'll give you everything you need to know next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. All right, time for the Mariners to get themselves in gear. You got three games here against an Atlanta team that is very good, second in the National League, and playing some pretty good ball, although they are just five and five in their last 10. And you got your three kids on the bump. Start today with the youngest of them, that, of course, being Bryce Miller. He will be pitching against Atlanta. Jerry Depoto says, Yeah, the fastball's great. But he's not a one-trick pony either. What he was doing in Arkansas in the early stages of the season and and trying to prepare himself with a full arsenal to go out and do what he just did, which was adjust to a lineup that appeared to be on his fastball in the early going. And 
And that's something that, that Bryce hasn't or won't run into very often, I suspect. But when you do run into a team that is on your fastball, you have to have an alternative measure. And, and he showed that he's not a one-trick pony. He can go out there. He can pitch. He has, I thought, he threw some really good change-ups. Obviously leaned on his breaking ball quite a bit. And what that does is it frees up your fastball on a day where it might not be quite as special as it typically is. Yeah, well, good. And he's going to need to be able to use all of those things to try to get through this Atlanta lineup that will be the best one he has faced uh, so far in his big league career. Coming up uh, after that, Logan Gilbert goes tomorrow. George Kirby throws on Sunday. Here's the second thing. You need right, to we're know. 43 games in now to this Mariner season, and yeah, it's time to start making some decisions on based, uh, you know, of what we've seen of the players and who's done what so far. And I don't know. I read this from Jerry Depoto as at least somewhat of a decision having been made at second base on Colton Wong. You know, rough start, and it's not the defense; it's the body of work right now. It's just been a struggle for him. You know what it is? I, I don't know. I, I wish there was an answer that that I could provide or that we could provide. You know, obviously you saw last night that that Cabby got a start against the right hand pitcher, and and you may see that more in the short term as we try to just give Colton a chance to reset and and get his his season started in the way he's accustomed to play. You know, he's he's been a really good player for the better part of a decade in this league, and and I don't think that is done. I don't think that's over. Clearly, he got off to a rough start, and he's having a tough time reeling it in. And maybe just a breather will we'll give him a chance to do just that. Yeah, and maybe that's what it is, or maybe he's done. I think regardless, if Jose Caballero runs with what is now a pretty good opportunity, it can be pretty hard to take him out of that spot in the lineup. Meanwhile, could we see some more help on the in the pen on the way? Yes, Andres Munoz should return sooner rather than later, and he could absolutely be joined by Prelander Baroa, who compares very much so to Edwin Diaz. I asked Jerry, hey, how long did it take Edwin Diaz to make the conversion? I want to say it was two weeks. Uh, we, we laid out for Eddie when we made that transition. We laid out a, you know a ten day plan for how he was going to you know transition, and you know they were all planned outings. We knew what day he was going to pitch, how we were going to do it, and and it couldn't have been too much more than two weeks, as I recall. I think it was I think it was ten outings. You know, so let, let's call it three weeks. Well, now you're getting very much the same here for Prelander Baroa, who is on the fast track, pitching well out of the pen and likely to be up sooner rather than later. Here's the third thing you need to know. A few things come out of uh, Ron Francis's meeting with the meeting uh, with the media yesterday as he uh, sort of wrapped up the Kraken season and started to look ahead. One, we now know that Andre Burakovsky had a groin injury. Great. Now we know he had surgery because he had kind of a relapse issue or uh, heard it again while he was uh, trying to return. So he should be good to go for next season. Two, if they are looking to add this offseason, they have the ability to do so. They do have cap space. Yeah, I mean, we had 10 picks in this year's draft and and uh, <clears throat> we do have cap space that if we wanted to do something, we could we could play around with that. But there's, I mean, we just ended two days ago. I haven't even got on the phone to call the other GMs to see what, what's out there or not or what's happening. But uh, you know, we're we're back at um, at already trying to see where we can make our team better. For yeah, he season. hasn't even thought about it. He hasn't even thought to call anybody. Oh, we've been so focused. Haven't even thought about next year. Okay. Not sure him. I believe you that. Tell him to start thinking about it. <laughs> it might be time. Uh, and what I hear there is that uh, trades, not just not just free agency, talking about trades. And if you want to add high-end talent this offseason, 
probably going to have to come through the trade market, not the free agent market. His voice sounds a little like Jerry Depoto with a cold. Hold on, let me hear a little bit more of this. Here he is talking about Shane Ryan. The possibility is really going to come down to Shane and how. how. Here's Jerry Depoto. Free has really. No. I don't hear it at all. Sorry, I don't think I hear that. You know, I like this game. I do like this game in general, Justin, but I don't know that I hear that now. It's everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. Uh, Let me just give you an update. Bryson DeChambeau still in the lead, although he's yet to tee off today. Got a couple guys at three under Justin Rose, Scotty Scheffler, Corey Connors. Uh, Two of them have yet to tee off today either. Where are they playing right now? They are in uh, Birmingham. They're in uh, Rochester, New York. Okay. Rochester, New York. Yes. Not one of the courses I'm familiar with. Uh, no, it's called Oak Oak uh, Oak Hill Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. So, all right, are you guys ready? What do you think open phone lines are going to look like today? Mm, based on the text line, I'm imagine this is just from a, a, a whole show scope today. Yeah, the conversation about the Mariners and spending. Yeah. Uh, the Jamal Adams OTAs. I would hope there's some Jamal Adams calls after the amount of conversation we've had there. Uh, probably some Colton and Teo mm. struggle, just because every time that's mentioned, we get blown up on okay. on that. Yep. And I don't know, Kraken's over now, so I guess that's the... Probably, probably just those things. All uh, right, well, unless he... people really got a, a, a take on where the Kraken should be going, based on your conversation. I'm certainly open to Francis. some of those conversations. All right, 866-979-3776, the phone number, 866-979-3776. Open phone lines. We usually got about 15, 20 minutes or so to uh, to take your calls. Those are a few of the topics. What do you think about Jamal Adams? Do you think that he should be in uh, OTAs? Do you think that's a big deal or not? Do you think uh, it, a combination of those things? What do you What have you made of that conversation and debate? Uh, what do you make of where the Mariners are at and what you would like them to do next? Uh, what do you make of the Colton Wong, Jose Caballero situation? Uh, as Justin said, what would you like to see the Kraken do this offseason? Personally, I'd like to see them call Toronto and see if you could get one of their core four to show up here in Seattle and sign a long-term extension. I think they need that kind of scoring, and Austin Matthews would be the first guy I'd go after. So how about you guys? 866-979-3776. And if you got something else that's on your mind, we'll take that too. You tend to complain that we spend too long on this, too long on that, not enough time on this. Fine. Here's your chance. 866-979-3776. We'll take your calls next. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Ah, oh, fellow Fridays. Back in session. I didn't even think I told you I went out and played golf last Friday, and uh, it was so beautiful. It was like a perfect, sunny, 75-degree day, and I listened to Fella Cootie for the entirety of the round. Mm, it was that again today? I might. I might. Maybe I'll listen to Fella Cootie. I'm thinking about riding my motorcycle to Ellensburg today, so maybe I'll do that. Really? That sounds like a good... It's perfect for a day like today. Just to beautiful, like, oh, dude, you'll love it. What a what a great thing to do. All right. Open phone lines here for about 15 minutes. 866-979-3776. Mariners, Seahawks, Jamal Adams. I see about a million text messages on this today, so uh, I assume that some of you are willing to take your opinion and uh, give it some voice and not just hide behind the keyboard. So we will uh, t- start taking some calls 866-979-3776 starting with josh who is in tacoma longtime phone caller right josh what's going on yeah i've called a couple times before um i just had two quick thoughts i i think what they're doing at second base is the kind of the correct thing is until dylan moore gets back give long as much of a shot as he can to turn it around because at that point i think we kind of have to move on from long 
And, yeah, then and, I think and, and for that, just to, just to add to your point there, Josh, um, you know, Dylan Moore started his rehab, what, yesterday or t- starts today, something like that. So that may not be far off. He didn't have a spring training, so he's probably going to have to go for a little longer. But, yeah, I mean, decision-making time is when he gets back, and then all of a sudden you got to decide because there's not going to be room for Colton Wong, Dylan Moore, Sam Haggerty, and Jose Caballero in the same roster. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I think for DH, I, in it, everyone says in the minors we don't really have anybody, but Brian O'Keefe's hitting pretty well at the Rainiers, and I, I honestly think we should give him a shot at DH, and it would be, be probably it wouldn't be worse than what we have already. And it possibly has a chance to be better. But yeah, I understand that kind of, that kind of thing. I think what we've generally found though is how guys are hitting or pitching or whatever their numbers are in AAA don't tend to translate to what they can do when they get to the majors. And sometimes that's a positive thing. Sometimes it's a negative thing, but that's why they don't study that the same way. They're not just looking at, you know, your batting average or anything like that. They're looking at how you're throwing. They're looking at your shove reports as a pitcher. And I know they have another one for hitters. I forget what it's called. And best example of that, Bryce Miller. He's getting shelled, right? Was not pitching well at all, according to the numbers in double A. Turns out he was pitching great, but the numbers weren't showing it. He shows up here. He's given up, what do you say, one run and three starts, and we'll see how it goes today. The guy's been unbelievable, arguably the best debut by a starting pitcher in the history of baseball. So, yeah, I mean, you know, yes, Brian O'Keefe may be hitting, and I don't know, maybe maybe it is something that will translate. But generally when something like that is happening and you're not seeing the guy get called up, there's a reason for it, and they're seeing something else sort of in the underlying stuff. So. Uh, like I asked him recently, I forget who it was. I had asked somebody in the organization, hey, how come we're not seeing so-and-so? And the answer was, uh, the swing and miss is a disaster. It, he'll get eaten alive in the big leagues. So, like, it wasn't necessarily a problem for him in AAA, but when he's seeing the better pitchers or guys with a legit breaking ball, he couldn't do anything with them. Yeah. And so they're seeing that stuff and trying to what, figure out how it will I was trying translate. to explain this to my buddy yesterday. We were talking about the difference between – he asked, why are we pulling pitchers from double A not going to triple A? Yeah. And I, I was like, Salk explained this to me one day. The gap between double and the majors versus the gap between triple A and the majors – and specifically the gap between double and triple, is just a, a different than it was 10 years ago? Well, and it's probably even more than that. At some point about 10 years ago, maybe even a little longer ago, major league teams started uh, keeping most of their best prospects in double A and giving them very limited exposure to triple A. Some, and some had more than others, this is not a hard and fast rule, but it became sort of a common practice to stop giving so much time in triple A. And part of the reasoning is triple A is a weird place. Right, double A prospects are on their way up. Triple A, you get a mix of what used to be three types of players. Prospects, guys who were in the minors forever, right? The Crash Davises of the world who'd been in the minors forever, and many of whom were very frustrated by that and upset that they weren't in the big leagues. And then guys who had been in the big leagues but had been sent down and were mad that they weren't in the big leagues. So it sounds like it's a culture thing. It's a culture thing. Who do you want around your young nucleus? Other guys like them who are all striving to get there for the first time and these big talents or a bunch of dudes who are either frustrated that they've never made it or frustrated that they had their chance and blew it and now they're sort of on hold until they can make it back. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of the goal. And for some guys and in some AAA cultures, there's reason to send them there. So it's not a hard and fast rule. But that's something I've heard from player development folks over the years. And maybe it's changed a little bit since I've had that conversation. 
but I think that's why oftentimes you'll call a guy straight up from double A. Got it. Okay. So that's uh, that's just kind of a little inside baseball stuff on it. 866-979-3776. Oh, we got a Jamal Adams call. I'm curious about this one. Diana is in Fall City. Good morning, Diana. Good morning. What's on your hey, mind? I love the show. Thank you. I just wanted to say sorry about Wendell. Oh, my gosh, Diana. Thank you. That is very nice. It's been a couple weeks since I lost my Frenchie, yep. and uh, I, I'd yep. like to say it's getting easier. It sort of is, but, man, I miss yeah. the hell out of that dog. I really do. It's tough. It yep. is so tough. Um, so my take on Jamal is, you know, you're talking about this. all these guys that they got who are going to compete for the secondary. They're all studs. A lot of them are new. And I think he's like the, he's the king of the lions, and I don't think he wants to be seen until he's ready to be seen because okay. he's proud. Interesting. So he didn't want to show he doesn't want to show up when he's weak, when he can't walk right, when he's a little compromised. He's going to wait to show up like when he's ready to come in and dominate. That's an interesting point of view, and, and you know what? There could be some merit to that, but we're not asking him to do anything while he's here. Just be around the team. Doesn't matter. He's super proud. He doesn't want anyone to see him weak. He's like complete. I mean, he's he's a very very proud guy, and he does. He if he's walking with a limp or he can't do some stuff, he when he when the new guys meet him, they're going to see him like ready to roll. Interesting. You know That's what? My take. I think it's a pretty good take. I I don't know that I have much of an argument for it, and you know, again. I, I, we don't know what's really going on in Jamal's head, but it's a, it's an interesting sort of, you know, psychological analysis from afar. So I, I respect the idea and the take behind it. I still think it would be better if he were here. I mean, like, it's not going to change my point of view on that. Like, okay, cool. You're proud. Be here. Be like, deal with it. <laughs> like part of the reason that they, they wanted Jamal Adams was because of, he was such a great presence in the locker room. Well, cool. Come be here and be that presence in the locker room. I'm sorry you're proud and that you're not at 100%. Life's not perfect. I'd rather have you be here than not here. That's just sort of the way I view it. So 866-979-3776. Keep rolling through this. Whatever's on your mind, you want to talk about, you know, Mariners, you want to talk Kraken, you want to talk Jamal Adams, you want to talk Seahawks. We're here for any of it. I got Carson in Puyallup who does want to talk a little Kraken. What's going on? What's up, guys? What's up? I want to talk about Austin Matthews and how amazing it would be if the Seattle Kraken got him this season. I watched them almost every game this season. They were a great all-around team, but they are missing just that one guy who can turn a game like just by himself. Mm-hmm. So what are you willing to give up? Because you'd have to give up the farm, right? So here's let, let's start with this. Shane, uh, you got to give up Shane Knight. Or right. Shane Wright, yeah. excuse me. You got to give up Shane Wright. And you got to give up your first round pick and a second round pick and next year's first rounder. You in? I'm in. I am too. Wow. He's 25. He's been in the league since 2015. Yeah. He's really good. I mean, you're talking about a guy who scored, what, 60 goals two years ago? I mean, like, that's the kind of player you're talking about who is exactly what would take you to the next level and, you know, good team guy, everything else. Like, yeah, I'd give all that up. What if you got to add Grubauer to that list? You want to trade him too? 
I don't know about that. I, I like, yeah, I liked him in the playoffs. Um, I'm not too attached to him. I get if he was the deciding factor, uh, see a Grubauer. You know what, dude? You and I are 100 percent on the same page, Carson. I appreciate it. I, I very much agree with you. And you probably get something else back in the kind deal. Of talked him into that. I did a little bit, but it didn't take a lot. It's not <laughs> like I had to work hard at it. If you were getting back another goaltender, and I don't, I, I forget who you know would come in a deal like that. I know they had an injury, and the you know I don't follow the league that that closely to be able to tell you who would be a good you know guy to get back in a situation like that. But I I do think that there's some some validity to that conversation. Now you need to do it before is no trade clause, and you probably got to sign them to a long term deal. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm certainly willing to have a lot of that conversation. Absolutely, I am because I think that that's sort of the next step for what this team needs. And I'm not saying you build like Toronto with four guys making fifty percent of your cap, but one guy who's making big money like Austin Matthews. Yes, I think that helps you win. Well, you've been pretty outspoken about wanting them to go in and try to raid some Toronto players. Um, We just found out that they have decided to part ways with their general manager, Kyle Dubas. Oh, really? I don't know how that will affect their approach this offseason. Probably a lot. I mean, he's the guy who put this thing together. So whoever comes in is not married to any of those players and come in and say, all right, let's make changes. I want to build this my own way. And with a couple of first round picks like that, you know, and and a younger guy, like if he's a big Shane Wright fan. All right, didn't rock and roll. You, didn't you tell us that this next year isn't a big year for the NHL draft? You're like, there isn't really a... Uh, this coming year, well, if you have the number one pick, it is. It's, it's Connor Bedard. A number one for the year. After. Right. Chicago does, I mean, yeah. Chicago has that. The number one overall pick is Connor Bedard. I yeah. don't know what it looks like after that. 866-979-3776. Let me go to Tobias in Kelso. What's going on, Tobias? Good morning. Hey, how's it going, Mike? So good. Yeah, it's so I, uh... good. Well, yeah, calling in about the Jamal Adams thing. I'm 100 percent with with Brock and his sentiment about it, and and you as well. And and uh, you know that he should be there, you know, for the team and stuff. Um, I'm I'm thinking you should do one of your one of your polls just to see where everybody mm. stands on that. I'd be curious. I think it would be 90 percent at least. 90 percent would want I think him that there. Would be a good poll. So here, let um, me ask you the follow up question because we here at the at the sure. in our company we used to always we do these. Um, like what do they call them? world of the workforce, state of the workforce, something like that, where they give you a lot of questions about how happy you are at work and everybody would answer them. And then when I was in management, we used to have to like, you know, we'd go through all those answers and try to fix things, but they never asked the follow up question, which I also think is an important one. How big a deal is this to you? Hey, do you work well between departments? No, not really. Is that important to your job? No, not really. And yet management will spend, you know, the next year running around with chickens at their head cut off, trying to fix how well we communicate across departments when really nobody cares that much about it, but it's not something they do great. So let me ask you the follow-up question. How much do you care that he's not here? I, I think that it's the kind of thing that it, it probably isn't a big deal in this day and age that he's not there, but I think it would be a big deal. If he was there, I love that. I think take. a lot of people would feel good. I love it. I, I totally agree. I think you're absolutely. I think that's a great way of phrasing it. Not showing up isn't necessarily a huge detriment, but showing up could be a huge positive. And we want things that make the Seahawks better. That's why we're in this as fans. You want positives. I love that take. What a great phone call. What a fantastic call. Yeah, we'll have to figure out. I wish there was a way to do a, a like, a, I guess you could do two polls on it. But maybe at some point, Brock will probably make fun of me Gold for doing two caller. polls. I know. Yeah, I really, that was a great call. Love it. Let me go to, speaking of Shane's, Shane and uh, Stillicum. What's going on, Shane? Nothing much. How are you guys doing today? We're fantastic, man. The sun's out. Going to play some golf. What could be better? And 
Not a whole lot, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go uh, a little bit with Jamal not being there either. Um, the last three seasons, I think he's missed, what, 25 games? Something like that. I mean, you're kind of, yeah. So, and then you just signed Julian Love. I mean, you might as well start seeing what the defense is going to look like without him because you already know what you're going to get with him. And that's not to say, like, you know, Jamal's a bad person just not showing up. I mean, I respect a guy who plays with reckless abandon at his size, um, you know, and just injuries catch up to him. But, you know, he's just not a guy that you can count on being out on the field for more than half a season at this point, it seems like. Well, I think there's some uh, there's some importance to what you're saying. There's some relevance there. But I also would say that this isn't about him participating. It's just about him being there around the guys trying to help, trying to influence, trying to do anything he can, trying to show how important this season is to the team. That's all. 866-979-3776. A lot of folks here on the uh, Jamal Adams conversation. Dan in Marysville. What's up, Dan? Good morning. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, real quick, my, my comment is I don't think that we can ever really count on Jamal Adams going forward. We had one of the baddest safeties in all of maybe ever in football in Cam Chancellor, who's career was cut short due to injury, mm-hmm. you know, and I can't think that Jamal's ever going to stay healthy. Um, I do like, I do think that he should have been in camp just for the presence of being a veteran at, on the Seahawks, but I don't feel like that we could count on him going forward as a, as a safety. Yeah, as and, a I don't, and I don't think they are either. Right. I mean, like they've, they've clearly gone above and beyond to try to make sure that they have protected themselves against his injury yeah, again, absolutely. or against him not having that kind of year. But hey, it's an opportunity, man. It's an opportunity to come help the team. And and if you want to be a great team player, that's one of the things you do. Sometimes you even come on a show twice in one day. You want to be a great player like Stacy Rost, well, host leverage. of the Bump and Stacy show, a person with no leverage at all here I at the station. I was a great athlete. So she just gets dragged back over here at any moment. Correct. That's right. It's time for Ranked with Stacy. This has been my nightmare my whole life. Hold on. We need our open. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfors House. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. All right, Stacy. Okay. Uh, you were here earlier. We had a great football I was conversation. Is this the Vanderpump yeah. Rules thing? Okay. So, you joined us. This is the best days of our lives. <laughs> Just it. raise your glasses high. This one's for you tonight. Yeah. You're not a bad singer. I'm a horrible singer. <laughs> I've been told by multiple heard. people, including my own mother, that I'm a really bad singer. I've heard worse than that. Thank you. <laughs> They so tried I to had get me to sing for weeks on this show. So, so you weren't bad yeah. either. Neither of you were bad. So I just need to ask. Mm-hmm. This is going to be still sports related. Don't worry, it's okay. not going to be Vanderpump related. But I mean, it whatever. is Vanderpump inspired. Okay. So I what gonna, is your? What are you ranking? I was going to ask you guys if you wanted to do uh, messiest breakups sports edition. Ooh. So not necessarily like. I mean, but will you first just tell us what the heck happened the other night? Oh with my Rumbles? God! Yes, I 30 will. Thirty seconds. Okay, thirty seconds. Okay, Go. okay, okay. So all you need to know is last night's episode, or rather uh, Wednesday's episode that everyone's talking about, was filmed after the season concluded. So during the season, no one knew that an affair was happening between co- two cast members. Then cameras picked up and filmed all of it, and what you saw was an amazing attempt right. by the main guy who cheated on the his cheater. partner at looking horrible. So what did he say? So here are some real lines that he said. <laughs> so he he's he tells uh he says if his girlfriend 
when I said I was going to my friend's house, if she would have followed me, she would have found out I was lying. So it's your fault for not following me? Correct. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's, yeah. that's ballsy. Uh, another like that. real excuse that he gave was, I mean, I thought about telling her, but every time I started, she just seemed like she didn't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Another great moment from the episode was the woman with whom he had an affair saying Uh once he broke up with his girlfriend and ruined his life. I guess I'm just kind of nervous about being with someone who would cheat on their partner of nine years. No kidding. (laughs) Such a mess. I'm just realizing. So are they together still? I it's unclear. It's it's unclear. Mm. It's unclear. They're claiming they've broken up, but I don't believe it because it's reality oh, TV. You think it's a lie? I think they you think haven't broken up. Actually, together. I think that he attempted, in the course of this reality show, huh. to produce a storyline for himself, and it all backfired because he's in reality TV and knows how to self-produce, but he's not as smart as actual producers. And I don't care what you think about reality TV; those producers are smart, Very horrible smart. people. <laughs> you know, uh, right now, what's happening in the world is like the big, the, well. I should just describe it a different way. Mm. The uh, writer's strike right now made me yeah. think about how in, what was it, 2000, 2001, they mm-hmm. had that writer's strike, which was sort of the birth of reality television. Yeah. And they had another one. I wonder one what in, like, this one will birth, and hopefully it won't be as bad as the reality oh television thing God, that came about I, 20 years I ago. I hope so. I hope it does. All right, Stacey, you are uh, ranking okay. top five sports breakups, so, messiest. So I have a question. Are yeah. you, you guys are participating, right? You're sure. helping me out? Well, if you have your list, yeah. You have a list? I have a couple. All right. Okay, so for number five, rather than team player, because it includes team player, I went with with actual breakup. I said Tom Brady and Giselle. That's a big one. Messy sports breakups. Yeah, and it's it's certainly sports related because it seems to come back to whether or not he wanted to play sports. (laughs) Yes, and he definitely did. So he actually stayed with sports and broke up with his wife. And it was so weird because you had like national ESPN and NFL network shows leading with like yeah. Giselle and Tom Brady are getting divorced. Why do you think it's happening? Yeah. Right. Do you think it's yeah. weird though that here's the reason I don't think it was just about sports. He only played one more year. If Brady was still playing this year, I'd yeah. give it to you. But like you don't break up with your wife of how what was it? Nine years or whatever. Longer than that. More than that. I think you don't, you don't divorce with your wife to play ball for one more year. It was a year. rough year though. Would it have been different if they went to the Super Bowl again? Nope. Or? No, there, there had to be more going on. Sorry. Um, another messy, messy breakup. Right, number four. Uh, Antonio Brown's oh, dramatic yes, exit yes. from the stage <laughs> with Tampa Bay. Yeah. Even the Steelers. In the game against the Jets. And the Steelers. Oh, Antonio I'll Brown's breakup with the Steelers and with the Bucks. And the Patriots and Tom Brady. And the Patriots and Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. What about the Raiders? He produced that whole black and white video. Yeah, and the Raiders. The yes. with Gruden. That's pretty good. Oh, very, so really very just messy Antonio breakup. Brown could fill out the rest of this yeah. list it, if you Antonio Brown is uh, two right, through three. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Who would you trust more, Antonio Brown or the guy from the Vanderpump Rules thing? Oh my God, um, Tom Sandoval. Tom Sandoval. I'll, you know what? I'm going to go do with you trust Stacy. Tom Sandoval or Antonio Brown. I'm going to go with Sandoval because uh, he at least is incredibly preoccupied with self-preservation. Okay. Antonio Brown doesn't seem to care about that more at about all. Self-destruction. Yeah, yeah. Antonio Brown doesn't care what anyone thinks huh. about him. All right. At all. So Tom Sandoval over Antonio Brown. That's a really bad sign for Antonio Brown. Yeah. Okay. He's used to those. Now, question. I have this as three, um, but where would you rank a very heartbreaking heartbreak 
the Sonics with the city of Seattle. Oh, oh, oh. It's, that one's hurts still. Oh. It hurts. But it's you're a breakup. More of an abduction. Th- that's exactly what that it's was. I'll file that under kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a breakup. That's, that's more of an abduction. Literally, the FBI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, not quite a breakup. No, I don't it's, think we can put that in here. Okay. Okay. okay then I'll replace it with what about KD and OKC? I'll guess. Yeah, there's a lot of bitterness there. Is that when he decided to, like, create all of his fake Twitter accounts and, like, start arguing with people? Yeah, and this one, the owner posted, we're going to win a championship before he will. Oh, yeah, that didn't work. Uh, That was that was that was LeBron leaving Cleveland. Yeah, that was when the owner posted the we're going to win a championship. Right. That was dumb. And then he won both places. Yep. LeBron's pretty good. Second messy breakup. Both of these are going to be quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah. Yeah, this has been bad. How do you feel about what's happened there? I mean, I think it was inevitable. And there are older breakups, messy breakups we could go to. I'm just going recency bias with a lot of these. Um, But I think that it was time to move on. Like, they... That relationship was ruined probably prior to Jordan Love, but certainly with the selection of Jordan Love. It was done. It was never going to be better. Aaron Rodgers' pride would forever get in the way. Who do I blame? Yeah. Honestly, even though Aaron Rodgers is incredibly unlikable, I blame the organization because you had a multi-time MVP quarterback and you didn't use any of your early picks or any real draft capital on trying to make the offense better because you were leaning on him to do so much. You kept trying to fix, fix a defense that just wasn't improving. Yeah, he quit on his team in the NFC Championship game. Sorry. I go. Draft yeah, but Jordan by then Love. it had gone too far. That was before they drafted Jordan Love. I don't know. I just think when you have a quarterback. He seems like a piece of work, man. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I mean, I, there's I, some I, real life breakups with Aaron Rodgers that we could talk about. Yeah. That's true. Uh, Which Aaron Rodgers and Olivia Patrick, Munn. Patrick, Olivia Munn, yeah. Uh, uh, with Blue of Earth. Blue of Earth. He I was going to say Blue Thunder. Blue of Earth stranded in <laughs> Bolivia or something. I mean, like, yeah. that was pretty rough. She was in Peru where she was a political prisoner, and he was like, peace. I'm going to start dating this 25 year old. I'm out. Don't worry. She sounded fine. Uh, other there. messy breakups. I thought about Tiger Woods. Oh, she attacked him with a. Iron. Yeah, yes. I thought about, um, you know, uh, some former Lakers in the Lakers, including Shaq, oh, Shaq but just a couple yeah. different guys. Shaq in the Lakers, really messy breakup. I considered all of these, but I settled on not only recency bias, a little bit of geographical bias. Yes. I went one. Russell yes. Wilson oh, breaking up with the Seattle Seahawks. It's real bad. Were you hoping it would be Earl Thomas? I was hoping Earl Thomas. Earl oh, Thomas. The double bird. That's yes. a really messy breakup, but there was something extra messy about the PR campaign that followed right. the Russell Wilson Seattle Seahawks no, breakup. Oh, yeah. That one's a messy sports breakup. Like, I love Earl. Whatever. Yeah, Earl's great. Give him a hug yeah. if he shows up. I yeah. don't care that he flipped me off. Well, and there With wasn't. Russ, Pete's, Pete's like, well, you guys should boo him. Well, and there wasn't, like, after Earl left, we were all, you know, kind of following him to see where he would land, but he was injured. There wasn't this long campaign of, like, mm. these two are facing off again in week one and what's going to happen. And fans of, you know, wherever Earl ended up going, Baltimore, Baltimore. weren't like, oh, Seattle's such idiots for letting him go. Like, it was the back and forth between the two cities. Yeah. It was messy. And it just kept going. What was it like halfway through the season? Pete Carroll mentions Russ not wanting to wear the wristband. Exactly. The wristband shows up. Russ shows up to practice and like is flashing it during his press conference to show it off. Like they were going back and forth subtly. What I'll say for fans of Vanderpump Rules, fan of Vanderpump Rules, (laughs) who is listening, I think I think the Seahawks are Ariana in this case. Good to hear, I yeah. think. That yeah. That's great, great news. That's okay. great news. I've always wanted to be Ariana. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Justin, we'll have to use our uh, ranking on uh, right. 
on Monday. I, think it, I mean, Stacey, I think that was it was good. the right there decision. There were no honorable mentions, which great. I thought kind of ruined the list. Oh, what, do you have an honorable mention? No, I mean, they got to come first. I mean, you got to understand how this thing works. We got to go. Bump and Stacey, if you like listening to Stacey, there's more of it coming up. Michael Bumpus will sit down in this chair, and they will get to business. They'll have headline rewrites and everything else you've come to expect. We'll be back Monday morning at 6 a.m. Until then, the hay is in the barn. See you, everybody. Get to the chopper!